Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. God's good, isn't he? We had this thing where we sing two fast ones and two slow ones and preach a sermon and possibly have an altar call and God will show up there at the end. But you know, it's not always the case. And that's why I don't like to having a script to go by. We just let the Holy Spirit lead. Amen? Amen. It's a good way to get the day started. Good way to get your week started at church on Sunday. You can compare it to the tithe. And you can say, you know, the Lord... The 10% and then the other 90 is blessed. Well, you can keep the 100%. None of it will be blessed. But the 10% it blesses the 90%. And you know what? Coming on Sunday just blesses the rest of your week. It does. This is the first day of the week. This is how you get your week started off right, right here. You're giving the Lord today your time right here, right now. You're coming to hear His Word. Get your day started right. Get your week started right. And then you don't have to say, it's just another Monday. How's your day going? Well, it's a Monday. You know it's a Monday. Praise the Lord for Monday. My Monday's good because I got Sunday started right. I got my week started right. Amen. Well, last week uh, we talked about dreams and not the kind of silly dream. Uh, I had a couple dreams this week that um, I guess you'd say are kind of silly. But... um. One in the same night, I had two dreams, and uh, the first first dream I had, um, Matt, Matt over there in my dream, we were messing around doing something. He said, well, "I want you to have this," and I said, "No, I don't. No, I can't take that." And he said, "No, you have to. Three hundred fifty dollars. There's three one hundred dollar bills and a fifty dollar bill." And I said, "Well, all right, I took it." Well, I woke up, and then a little while later, I had another dream, and uh, Kevin um, bought my lunch. And it wasn't just a lunch. I'm talking about this was some kind of spread. I don't know what restaurant we were at, but it was a lot of food and it was good. And then I woke up. When I woke up, I went to the restroom on the way back. I'm thinking, I am so thirsty. I mean, my mouth felt like somebody poured some sand in it while I was asleep. You know what I mean? I was so thirsty. And I thought, I'd like to have a drink of water. And I thought, well, it's probably like 3 a.m. I'm going to be up here in a little while anyway. It'll be all right. So I just went and get in the bed. Now, when I sleep now with this, uh, I have to get in certain positions with my elbow. And it gets a little better every week, I'll be honest with you. It's, uh, but I have to do some pillows in certain ways. And I can't sleep on my back because I sleep on my back. It sounds like somebody's up in there with a chainsaw. So i got to go left side or right side. And if I go on the left side... Um, after a little while, it's, it starts hurting and it'll wake me up. I'll be hurting. Then I'll go to my back and I'll get comfortable. And then Jack, you'll whack me because I'm snoring. And then I go to my right side and I'll do my right side. I have to have these pillars mounted up real high and I just throw my arm over. So it's like a bridge between her and me of pillows. Seriously, like a wall. Like stacked up about this high, literally. And I just throw my arm up on it and it's all oh, it's nice. And then after a while, my right shoulder, because it has been uh, dislocated twi- uh, two or three times, separated twice, and broken twice, it'll start hurting. 
So then I have to go back to my back, and I start snoring, and she wakes me. Then I go back to my left. See, that's just, it's just a, every night's a thing. But I tell you, I like to tell you this. Now get this: I come back from those two great dreams of of uh, the the money and the lunch, and I'm thirsty. Well, I get in the bed. This is the truth. Jackie to be my witness. But I threw my arm over, and, and when I did, there was an ice cold bottle of water that my hand went took right on, and I was like, "That's something right there." And I was like, thank you, Jesus. And I picked, and what's the ice cold bottle of water doing in my bed? And I picked that bottle up. I, I kind of started sitting up. And about that time, whoosh, she took it away from me. And I didn't even ask any questions. I was just like, I just went on back to sleep. <laughs> she just snatched it in the dark. It's amazing. Satan does things like that too. You know, Jesus will give you something. He comes to snatch it. He comes to get it immediately, to steal it. But anyway, <clears throat> she had gotten hot. So she goes to the refrigerator and gets a bottle of water and is holding the bottle of water to cool herself off. And somehow it ended up on that pillow. Who knows, whatever. But <laughs> That's something. <clears throat> so here we go. <clears throat> oh, well, let me go ahead and finish the story. I called Matt. I said, I'm going to come by and get my 350. And I, he didn't give me anything. And I called Kevin. I said, or I texted him. I said, hey, you bought my lunch. Not only did he didn't even respond. He didn't even show up today. I mean, he, I'm not getting a lunch. It don't look like. But I've been reading this week and studying a lot, quite a bit, hours, actually, and pondering and... Um, Thinking about this message, and uh, I thought some people might think I'm crazy, if you don't already. And uh, I told Jackie on the way to Coleman last night, we had to go pick something up. I said, uh, I'm actually a little, not scared in fear, like spirit of fear, but a little concerned that maybe they'll think I'm crazy. Think Some people will think I'm nuts. And she said, well, tell me what you're going to preach. So I told her. And at the end of it, she said, well, I don't think they're going to leave the church or anything. So, and then it was, she said, that only took five minutes, but I got the feeling it's going to take a lot longer tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, it is. Speaking of bottled water, you might need one. Now I'm teasing with you. It won't be any longer than usual. Right, let's get going. Um, Mary Magdalene. So the title of today's sermon is, There's Something About Mary. You know, there's a movie years ago. I don't. I mean, a long time ago. I remember uh, it was called "There's Something About Mary," and there's like three different guys that they, they liked the old Mary, and come to find out she was already with the Brett Farr, the quarterback. Um, she already had her man. So the whole movie was just a bust for those three guys. But uh, so there is something about Mary. And I'm talking about Mary Magdalene. There is something about her. I want us to look into Scripture today, and. Uh, and, and look at some things right here. And, you know, some people say, I, can, I may not can relate to Mary Magdalene. I thought, well, if there's anybody that can relate to Mary Magdalene, it'd be you, Mother. It'd be you. Are you listening over there? Are you awake? If there's anybody that can relate to her, it'd be you. And I'll read the scripture to tell you why. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. 
Okay, that's a little joke. But God is elusive in Scripture. He's very elusive. And you can see him right here in, in part of the story of Mary Magdalene when she goes to the tomb, okay? And I want you to see, see him. And, and he is elusive. You think about the burning bush and Moses goes to the burning bush. And he says, who are you? What's your name? And he said, I am. Well, I think that was Jesus. I think that was Jesus saying, I am. And Abraham, he, he uh, sees Abraham and Sarah talking about conceiving a child. He says, I am. And in John the 8th, chapter the 58th verses, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus says, I am. In the Garden of Gethsemane, they come to arrest him. They say, are you Jesus? He said, I am. I'm he. I'm him. In the lion's den, Nebuchadnezzar threw in the three Hebrew children. He's looking. He says, hey, wait a second now. I only threw three in there, but it looks like there's a fourth one walking around. There is a fourth one. It looks like the Son of Man. It was the I Am. It was Jesus in there in the fiery furnace. But the Father is elusive in Scripture. And what Jesus does on Resurrection Sunday uh, that allows us a relationship with God, that's what I want us to look at. What Jesus did on Resurrection Sunday that allows us a relationship with God. Um, at the Last Supper, if you go read in John the 14th, 15th, and 16th verse, he keeps telling them, I'm going away. I'm going away. I'm going away. He tells them, he says, I'm going away. And most people think, and I've always kind of thought, that he's talking about he's going away until the second coming. That he's talking about the 40th day, the ascension. When he goes up, that's when he's going away. But it's not, everything he's saying here is not talking about going away. It's not all talking about the second coming, but it's talking about specifically in these three days, that what he's going to accomplish in these three days. In John, the 14th chapter, is where we'll jump into scripture right here. And he's talking to them. He says, Let your heart, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, uh, believe also in me. He's talking about be troubled. Why would it be troubled? Because the crucifixion's coming. They're fixing to see Jesus nailed to a cross. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions. Uh, If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. People talk about, when I get to heaven, the mansion's going to be so big. Right? And that you, you find a, a, a man that's married to a woman that's hard to deal with. You say, I bet he's going to have a big mansion. Or you find a woman that's got a man that's hard to deal with. Oh, she's going to have a big mansion. It's a lot deeper than a house. You understand? It's a lot deeper. This scripture is way deeper than just a house in heaven. Or really, who cares about how big your house is in heaven? I'm just going to be glad to be there. Thankful to be there. But it's bigger than that. You go study the scripture yourself like I have and you'll see that this word right here in the Greek is talking about dwelling place. It doesn't say mansion. It's not talking about a house. It's talking about a dwelling place. It's a lot bigger than a house. And what Jesus is saying is you can't have a relationship with the Father. You can't have a relationship with the Father yet. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to make things right for you. I'm going to take care of it so that you can have a relationship with the Father. And you will be sorrowful. But hang on because joy is coming. 
And he's talking about the crucifixion, the death and the, bur- and the burial. You will be sorrowful when they hang me on the cross. You're going to be sorrowful when they put me in the tomb. But joy's coming at the resurrection. Amen. He says, I'm going to prepare. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, these things he's, he's told them. Um, he's telling them, I'm fixing to go. I'm going. I'm going. You're going to be sorrowful, but joy's coming. And he said, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going for a little while. I'll be back in a little while. John, the 14th chapter, the 25th verse. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. He said, I'm here. I'm here right now. And I'm talking to you about these things while I'm here with you. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And I love that in my Bible. I've got that underlined, all things. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Everything that I'm saying to you right now, Everything that I've told you up until this point, I'm telling you right now. And when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to bring to remembrance all things. He's going to bring to remembrance all the things I've already told you. I'm getting you ready. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about peace. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give. Let not blood. I've got tongue tied. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Notice there, like I say, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about peace. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I. See, He is going to the Father. He's going to ascend to the Father. He's going to prepare a place for you. He's going to go present Himself in front of the Father. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. He's telling them all these things about, he says, I'm going to ascend. I'm I'm here with you right now for a little while. But in a little while, I'll be back with you. In other words, in a little while, you'll see me no more. But in a little while, I'll be back with you. He didn't say one day on down the road. He didn't say, you don't know the time which I'm coming back, which he does talk about when he comes back. Jesus returns to earth for the second time. His return, he says, you don't know the time. Only the Father knows. And it's not for you to know. It's only for the Father to know. But he says, in a little while, specifically in a little while. In a little while, you'll see me no more. But in a little while, you will see me. You'll see me again. You're going to be sorrowful. But hold tight, because in a little while, joy's coming. Amen? He's talking about the resurrection right here, not the second coming. Um, because if he's talking, he says, you'll believe. He's telling, he said, I'm telling you things. Let me back it up. I'm telling you things. Uh, it says, you may believe. And now I've told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. When, the sec- when Jesus Christ returns to earth for the second time, who's not going to believe? Everybody's going to believe. The scripture plainly says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Even an atheist will believe then. How could you not believe when he burst through the sky and come? You can't help but not believe. 
Like I said, every other fake, false religion out there, even atheists, everybody will believe. He gives them these two signs. And I want you to remember these two signs, peace and Holy Spirit. Peace and Holy Spirit. And those are two things you, the life you need in your life. And the only place to find peace is through Jesus Christ. And you need the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. He's your helper. Amen? Okay. Now, you can, if you're in your Bible, just flip over a page or two to the 16th chapter. A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Here he is again, saying, in a little while, in a little while, you'll see me. In a little while, you won't see me, because I go to the Father. He says, in a little while, I'm going to the Father. A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Now, I want you dive into this and hold on to it, okay? Like I said, he's not talking about thousands of years later. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you'll not see me. And again, a little while and you'll see me. And I am because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is it that he says a little while? We do not know what he's saying. They don't understand it. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, And he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while and you will not see me? And again, a little while and you will see me. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament. Talking about the death and the burial. Talking about when they crucify him, when they kill him, when they bury him. But the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. The the, the world will rejoice. But they're only going to get to rejoice for three days. And then here comes the resurrection. The resurrection. Then guess who's rejoicing from then to the end of time? That's you and I, believers. The world only gets to rejoice for three days. And they're rejoicing over something that they think's happened that really hasn't happened. He says, a woman, when she's in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child... She no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. And I'm not a woman, and I'm not, I had a baby, but I've, I've been there. And that, you got that right. It is a painful thing. More pain than I care to endure. But then I, one minute, they're in excessive amount of pain. And then the next minute, they're just smiling and crying and holding the little baby. Thank the Lord I'm a man. Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again. Here he goes again. You have sorrow, but I'll see you again. And your heart will rejoice. And your joy no one will take from you. Nobody can take it away from you. Praise the Lord. He said said there, it's not thousands of years. And I'm bringing peace and I'm bringing the Holy Spirit when I come back. It's what he tells them. Y'all, we just read it on the screen together. Peace and the Holy Spirit. That are the two signs. That's the two things I want you to hang on to this morning. 
the God sending me. And when I return, peace and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now, over in the 20th, 20th chapter. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So Mary Magdalene's here. Right there at daylight, right before the sun comes up, the stone's being removed from the tomb. And it says she runs back and tells the disciples here in John. Now, I think this is funny because John says she came and told Peter and she came and told the disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John. That's how he always referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And you know what? We need to be more like John. You need to get it made up in your mind right now that you're a disciple who Jesus loves. He loves you. It's not based off uh, of you getting it right. He loves you. Amen. And then it says they ran to the tomb. And what's funny is John says, but the disciple whom Jesus loved outran Peter. And he got there first. I just think that's funny. Because you know they were in a race. And John outran old Peter. And, uh, and he had to, what's that got to do with anything? He had to let us know, I'm faster than him. Yeah. I'm faster. I mean, anytime we're going to talk about a race or a football game or anything, you know, you, you're going to talk about how you, you won or outrun somebody or beat somebody, right? Well, they were the same way, evidently. But they run back to the tomb and uh, skip down to the 20th to the 11th verse. Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept and stooped down and looked into the tomb, And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been laying. One at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been laying. That's something. One at the head and one at the feet, not both standing on one side, not both standing on one one end, but one at the head and one at the feet. You look at the Ark of the Covenant, there's an angel at the head and an angel at the feet. There's an angel at one end and there's an angel at the other end. That's because uh, Jesus is the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament. You look at Joshua, you look at Caleb, and they're fixing to cross the River Jordan, and the River Jordan is at flood stage. How in the world are we going to cross this thing? Well, they have the Ark of the Covenant. God spoke to them. He said, get the priest, you carry it out there, and you stand in the river, even though it's at flood stage, makes no sense. But they, they pick this thing up, and they're carrying it by the handles, and the two angels there, one on each end, they carry it out there into this river. And the river starts drying up, starts drying up, starts drying up. It dries back all the way back up to a city called Adam. There's no coincidences in the Bible. There's no, wow, look at that. Everything is specific and the name of Adam is in there for a reason. Because let me tell you, sin separated you and me from the promised land just like that river separated them from the promised land. And the Ark of the Covenant, whose representation of Jesus Christ goes out in this river, and He drives the river up all the way back 20 miles to a city called Adam. And when Jesus comes on the scene, guess what? He drives sin up all the way back to where it originated with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You can't touch the box, though. Just follow the box. That's what he said. Just follow the box across the river. The river's going before you and it's making a way and it's going to make it possible for you to go into the promised land. But don't touch it. You can't touch it. The ones who touched it died. Don't touch it. Can I touch it? No, don't touch it. Just follow it. Just follow the box. Just follow Jesus. Praise the Lord.
Then he said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to him, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Now when she had said these things, he turned around and saw Jesus standing there. She saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. She didn't know it was him. I looked this up, studied this. I studied everybody. It's got degrees and theology and not theology, you, you name it. And all the reasons why that she didn't recognize them were all stupid. Well, it was, it was too dark. Well, they, when the disciples ran to the tomb, they had no problem seeing that he wasn't there. And they saw his linens laying there. It couldn't have been too dark. Well, you know, she was upset crying, tears in her eyes. She probably couldn't see clearly. She couldn't see clearly. But she didn't know that it was him. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She said, Supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. She thought he was the gardener. She thought he was the gardener. She didn't recognize him. One of the reasons they really didn't recognize him was because he'd been beaten so badly. But the problem is, she's one of the ones that helped get him off the cross and preparing to go in the tomb. So she knew what he was looking like after he had been beaten. In John 8, it says, she traveled, women traveled with him. Do you know Mary traveled with Jesus? Women actually traveled with Jesus and his 12 disciples. Think about it. Do you really think that uh, 12 men can take care of themselves? Common sense will tell you that we can't. We need a woman. We need some help. Just to remind them, probably to remind them to take a bath. She says, tell me where you've laid him. Jesus, the screen just went away. There it comes back. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and saw him and says, Rabbi and I. I've heard people say Rabboni. But it's only Rabboni if you're Italian, you know, like macaroni. But it's Rabboni. She, Jesus said to her, Mary. And it reminds me of the scripture. It says, when the shepherd calls you name, you'll know his voice. Woo! The shepherd was calling her name. She knew his voice. She turned around and said, Teacher, Master, Jesus, it's you. She thought he was a, a gardener. Let me tell you. That's not insignificant either. He was a gardener. He was buried in the garden. In fact, it all started in the garden. Adam and Eve started in the garden. The Eden means uh, paradise. It started in the garden of paradise. But then he sinned. And then here comes Jesus in Gethsemane. And he's in the garden of Gethsemane. And Gethsemane means press. Oil press, wine press. You press those grapes to get the wine. You press those olives to get the oil. He's being pressed so hard that he begins to bleed blood, sweat blood. And then the Bible says he was crushed. He was crushed like an olive. He was crushed like a grape for you and I. And then he's buried in the garden. That's why the gardener was there. What the first gardener, Adam, messed up, the second Adam's here. The second gardener's arrived on the scene. He's fixing to cultivate some soil and grow a new garden. Amen. Jesus said to her, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. 
Don't cling to me but I, because I haven't yet ascended to my Father. He has not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to go to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. Now, let me, let me point out a couple things right here. Cling to me. I don't know what translation you're reading, but 53 times in the authorized version it says touch. And this cling right here, In the Greek is the same word in Mark chapter 5 with the woman with the issue of blood walking down the street. And she says, if I just may touch his garment, it's the exact same word. I don't know why the translators in the modern translation have changed it into cling. But let me tell you, it's not cling, it's touch. Jesus literally said, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I haven't ascended to the Father yet. If you don't trust me, look it up and study it for yourself. It's the same word. If it meant clean, Jesus would have been walking down the street and the woman with the issue of blood would have been hanging on to his coat and he, she'd been clinging to him. He'd been like, who in the world is hanging on to me? That's not what happened. She just touched it and he felt virtue leave from him. And he said, who touched me? It's the same word. And he says, don't touch me. Don't touch me for I have not ascended to the Father yet. Don't touch me. It makes me think about the Ark of the Covenant. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. It makes me think about the sin offering that nobody was allowed to touch and carry into the Holy of Holies but the high priest. And guess who's the high priest? Jesus is. And he's he's getting ready to carry the sin offering, which is himself, in front of God Almighty sitting on the throne into the Holy of Holies. Praise the Lord. That's pretty exciting. He says, I'm ascending to the Father And to my God and your God. That's the first time in the scripture that he's ever said, my God and your God. It's my God and it's your God. See, it's my daddy. But I'm ascending. I'm going to make things right. When I get finished, he's going to be your daddy too. My God, your God. Your, Your father... Right there. My father and your father. That's the first time he says, my father and your father. Up until then, he always says, my father. My father. But now it's fixing to be your father. Your father. That's exciting. Praise the Lord. Let me back up. I am... Right there, second sentence from the bottom, second line from the bottom. I am ascending to my Father. I am. Present tense. Right now. Not in 40 days. Right now. I'm ascending to my Father. Right now today. Present tense. It's important. Did you see that? Now, that was early in the morning, right at daybreak, right? To jump on to the 19th verse. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, they're up there in the upper room, they're trembling, they're afraid, they're scared. Of course they were. Jesus just got crucified, severely beaten, brutal beating, and nailed to a cross. And they're up there fear, fearful. Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. And remember those two signs? Peace and the Holy Spirit. He said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Peace be with you. When he had said that, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. He showed them his hands and he showed them his side. 
He didn't say, don't touch me. He told Mary, don't touch me because I haven't ascended to the Father yet. Very important that you see that. Don't touch me. I haven't ascended yet. But then that night he goes up to the disciples. He goes, look at this. Touch me. Do you, think, do you not think they touched him? Do you not think they get up out of their seat and ran and jumped and gave him a big old hug? And were probably kissing all over him and so excited. Wouldn't you be? But he didn't say, don't touch me. He said, look at my hands, look at my feet. Read on down further in Scripture. You'll see where Thomas... Where his reputation of being doubting Thomas, Jesus said, touch me. Put your fingers in the holes. Go ahead and touch me. Run your fingers up in my side right here. Touch me. Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send to you. The Father has sent me. When did he send him? Right now. He sent me to you right here, right now. Peace. He said, touch my hand inside. The two signs that I were talking about, peace and the Holy Spirit. Now, he says, the Father has sent me. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He said, here's the things you need to be looking back for. I'm going to ascend to the Father. I'm here with you for a little while. And in a little while, you'll see me no longer. And in a little while, I'll come back. And when I do, peace and Holy Spirit's coming with me. And it says, the Father has sent me. And just like He sends me, I send you. He says, peace be with you. And He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Go back to the Last Supper. He says, hey guys, I'm getting ready to go away. I'm getting ready to go away. You're going to be sorrowful, but joy is coming. He says, um, here's the two things I want you to be looking for, peace and the Holy Spirit. He says, I tell you these things so when they do happen, you'll believe. I'm telling you in advance so that you'll believe. And um, you can't dwell with the Father right now. But guess what? I'm going to prepare a place for you so that you can. So that your Father will be my Father. He'll be your Father too. I'm telling you all these things so that you'll believe. And he says to Mary, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended. He went into hell. He, he, when, he, when he goes across, he's crucified. They put him in the tomb. So what happened in these three days? Well, he went into hell. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He took the keys. Now he's got the keys. The, the uh, Old Testament saints are released. They're freed up. You know, the Bible tells us that. The Scripture tells us that. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the eighth verse, it says, Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led uh, captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He descended into the lower parts of the earth. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and the captives were set free. Amen? It says they come up out of the grave. That they come out of the grave. In Matthew the 27th chapter in the 53rd verse it says, And coming out of the graves after his resurrection they went into the holy city and appeared to many. In the 52nd verse, I don't have it on there, but it says the graves were opened and the body of the saints were raised. So the graves were opened, the body of the saints were raised and coming out of the grave after his resurrection they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So he releases them out of the grave. He probably said, hey, we're fixing to go to heaven, but I got some business to take care of. I need to make a stop right here and talk to this young lady named Mary. And they said, well, hey, do you mind if we walk around the old city for a little while? And Abraham's probably walking through the city just like you and I do sometimes and look over there and say, hey, see where that Publix is? I used to play baseball right there. 
The public's wasn't there then. But he's got the Old Testament saints with him. Jesus is going into the Holy of Holies to present himself as a sin offering. Jesus does go into the Holy of Holies and present himself as a sin offering. And you say, well, where is a good description of what took place? Well, I'm glad you asked. In Daniel, the seventh chapter, he describes it well. He said, I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated. That's God. The Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame and its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. That's a million. A thousand thousands. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. That's a hundred million. We're talking about court. There was a million ministering and there was a hundred million out there in the court. And you know, I was talking to Josh a little bit about this, but he's trying to describe what he sees. How do you describe trillions of angels? Because there are trillions of angels. Trillions. This is what he sees. He said, I watched them because of the sound of pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and give to the burning flame. Now, he starts off describing the father right here. In uh, John, the 12th chapter, the 31st verse, it says, Now is the judgment of this world, and now the ruler will be cast out. Not in a thousand years, but in John, the 12th chapter, 31st, it says, Now. Now is the judgment of this world, and now is the, the ruler will be cast out. And that's what's taking place right here. It's not talking about at the end times, court session is taking place right here. And as for the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away. Yet their lives are prolonged for a season and a time. Now, this first beast right here that's destroyed, uh, that's talking about death. He saw death was slain. Jesus went in. The grave has no victory over us anymore because Jesus defeated death on the grave. You say, well, that's the beast in Revelation. No, there's four beasts right here in, uh, in Daniel. Four. The first one is slain. And it says, For the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives are prolonged for a season and time. That Satan and all his demons, they've had their dominion taken away from them. It's been taken away from them. But for a season and time, they're still here. In other words, Satan is still very active and he's here, but he doesn't have any dominion. He doesn't have any authority. It's been taken away from him. Amen. He said, I was watching the night visions and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him uh, near before him. You remember in Hebrews when he says, there's a great cloud of witnesses. Well, Jesus comes right here. Uh, The son of man coming with the clouds. He's coming with the Old Testament saints. Wrap your mind around that. That's pretty exciting. Then to him was given dominion and glory in the kingdom to all peoples, nations, language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which should not pass away in his kingdom the one that shall be, not be destroyed. Where did I read to the 14th? So Satan has no dominion. It's been taken away from him. Jesus got it back. Jesus has all the authority. You remember before he ascended on the 40th... It, the scripture we just read right there says, you got your dominion back. The dominion's been taken away from him. Satan has no dominion anymore. 
You've got the dominion. You've got the authority. But before he ascended on the 40th day, he said, I've got authority and I give my authority to you to go out and use my name. You can't give somebody something you don't have. He had it. Praise the Lord. Jesus got it back. In Romans, the 6th chapter, the 14th, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but you are under grace. In 1 John 3, 8, He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that the, uh, he might destroy the works of the devil. And in Colossians it says, Having dishonored principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them. Jesus went, <coughs> defeated death, hell, and the grave, and made a public spectacle of them. Amen? Now back to Daniel. He says, I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the ancient of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. That's us. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. What does that mean? That means God was on His throne. And He took His gavel and He said, Saints win. And Satan loses. Demons lose and Satan wins. So at the end of the day, it's just, it's just the question is, whose team are you on? Whose team are you on? What dominion are you yielding to? Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 